It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast, available of course every morning as you know on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple and wherever you get your podcasts from. Tell you what, there are so many of these platforms that are coming online almost every week. Don't worry, doesn't matter where you get it from, we're represented on every single platform around the globe. Now, it's a Tuesday morning. It is August the 8th for 2023. And I mentioned a few days ago that office vacancy rates in Sydney is prompting this discussion about converting empty office buildings into housing. Data from the Property Council of Australia shows that over one-fifth of office spaces are vacant and Sydney's CBD vacancy rate is 11.5%. Demand for office space in Sydney has decreased over the last six months and experts are suggesting converting these empty office spaces into homes to alleviate the pressure on the housing market. It's an interesting question that has been thrown up and we're going to discuss this this morning with Philip Oldfield, who is the head of the School of Built Environment at University New South Wales. And Philip, welcome to the Real Estate Breakfast this morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So it's a bit of a contentious, curly question, I, I guess. And I've seen a quote that recently you said to knock down a big concrete building and replace it with another concrete building is potentially environmentally criminal. And I think that there's going to be a lot of people that will agree with you on that. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the carbon, the greenhouse gases it takes to construct a building, they're really significant. So every square meter of office space you create, or even residential, horrors residential, will typically take around one ton of greenhouse gas emissions. So the, the space you're probably sitting on now, the space your chair is in, that would have taken a ton of greenhouse gas emissions. Now to knock that down and to create something that might be a little bit better, that seems incredibly wasteful, especially given our you know our climate ambitions in Australia. So the question is, can we take these office buildings that are kind of vacant, um, you know, less usable, less popular, and can we turn them into something else? Now, that might be housing. We've got to move to a more circular way of creating our building stock. The, the phrase out there is the most sustainable building is the one that already exists. And, and, you know, all the numbers, you know, support that. All right. Well, we'll come back to Philip and talk about this very uh, contentious issue of converting office space into housing. We'll do that next. We are your local source for unbiased expert insights into the world of real estate. We are not a real estate company. Our only objective is to help you better understand the real estate market. Well, if there's ever been an example of property flipping being alive and well, just take a listen to this. A buyer who bought two adjoining Art Deco flats in Double Bay last June, and that's the date to keep in your head, for $7.9 million. He has now sold the combined residence for close to $14 million, making it the second highest price per square 
square metre ever in Double Bay. And the property sold in just two days after being listed. So that is a very nice property flip. If we all had one of those in our lifetime, we'd be doing pretty well. If you're celebrating today your birthday, it is August the 8th today, and you're sharing it with Dustin Hoffman turning 85, Roger Federer, 42, Keith Carradine, you might remember him, 74 today, and Sean Mendes the Canadian singer, he's turning 24. We dive deep into topics like buying, selling, investing and maximising your property's value. From mortgage advice to the latest property data and trending numbers, your real estate journey starts here. It's the main centre forecast. And around the country on our Tuesday morning, first we go to Sydney. Good morning to you, expecting cloudy skies with the showers to ease today. 18 is your forecast high. In Melbourne, cloudy but dry, 15 degrees. In Brisbane, expecting sunshine, 23 is your forecast. And in Perth today, cloudy with some rain and your high, 21 degrees. Unlock the secrets of real estate and stay informed about the latest real estate buzz with hot market trends, emerging suburbs and hidden gems. And we are back talking with Philip Oldfield, the head of the School of Built Environment at the University of New South Wales. And Philip, I want to mention to you this global report that has come out. Office space markets in major cities may lose $800 billion by 2030 as vacancies rise due to the remote and flexible working arrangements. Office attendance have recovered slightly, but it is still 30% below pre-pandemic levels. And this is really what has been the fire starter with all of this. Once the pandemic hit, we went through this whole lockdown and then working from home, and that has been what has fueled it. Yeah, so we've got two things happening. We've got a glut of empty offices and we've got a a housing affordability crisis where we haven't got enough homes for people to live in. So you can kind of think, well, look, can we put two and two together? Can our glut of empty offices help tackle the housing affordability crisis? And my argument is, well, a little bit. It can in some ways. So if we look at all these empty offices, they tend to be what we call, you know, grade B and C offices and not the top offices. The top offices are still having quite high, they're very attractive. So they're still attracting tenants. You see slightly older offices, you know, that, that are slightly, um, that don't have sky gardens, breakout spaces, office lounges, all the places that attract people to come to work. And so the question is, can we convert them in, into homes? Now, the answer is some of them. The problem is there's this design mismatch between offices and apartments. You know, if you walk around the city and you look up and you might see a gleaming glass tower, it might, you know, an office building will just have be big and bulky with lots of glazing on the outside. A residential building tends to be more slender. And the reason for that is all our bedrooms, all our living spaces want to have a window. They want to touch the outside of the building for ventilation, for lighting and things like that. If we take a big bulky 
old office space and we try and convert that to residential can be really challenging from a spatial layout perspective in so much as we might end up with bedrooms without windows that are deeper in the office floor plate. And that's not attractive. And in many places, that's not legal either. Yeah, but then you have a look at some of these situations in Sydney. We reported on this kitchlet, this very small box that was being presented in Sydney. I didn't see that, but yeah, we've got to look at size as well. And again, with these big office spaces, actually they don't lend themselves to micro apartments. They lend themselves to bigger, high-end kind of apartments. So all the examples I've seen of where offices have been converted to apartments Typically, they're kind of more boutique office spaces, so they're smaller than not the big bulky office towers. And secondly, they're top-end housing. No one's converting office spaces to affordable housing or, or key worker housing or family housing for that sense. They're converting them to kind of top-end, high-luxury housing. Yeah, because what you're talking about potentially is only going to get worse. The vacancy percentages in this global report, and they're saying that it may take decades for many of these cities to recover to pre-pandemic levels. And that doesn't surprise me. Do people really want to commute for an hour and a half to sit in a cubicle when they can do their job at home? It's a legitimate reason. And that's why we're seeing um, this growth in working from home. People might want to commute in if they get to work with uh, their team in an innovative, interactive office space. So we are seeing a kind of trend for new offices having these um, sky gardens, um, office lounges, that kind of top end stuff. But if we are going to see this as a trend, if we're going to have this glut of empty offices, we've got to decide what to do with them. Do we demolish them and waste all that concrete and you know waste all that embodied carbon? Or can we convert some of them to housing? And can we convert other ones to office buildings? I think of the, the QQT tower on Sydney's uh, circular key, 1972 office building would come to the end of its life. And what the architectural transformation in that building, they cut the front off the building and extended it out, creating a series of atria, creating the, you know, a really evocative, exciting activity-based office building that I think would attract people to go and work there. And but by upgrading the building instead of demolishing the whole thing, they were able to save around 12,000 tonnes of of embodied carbon. And so we've got to be really inventive with what we've got. Yeah. And how much of a political football in all of this have you found? And should we be looking to incentivise through the government developers to convert suitable office buildings into housing? Is that really the first initiative held to the blowtorch? I don't think that's of urgency. You know, this is one of many levers the government should look at to help tackle the housing crisis. It's not going to be the biggest lever by any means. I mean, if you look at Sydney, look at, look at Sydney CBD, let's say, for example, there were 50 empty office buildings. Now, there's not, but if there were 50 empty office buildings, of those, if we analyse them all, maybe five, maybe 10 could be converted easily to residential. So it's no silver bullet. It's not going to solve a housing crisis. But what it can do is provide diversity to our city centre areas. We've got, you know, if we can provide an increased residential population that helps keep the cafes open at night, helps keep the restaurants open at night, and it can provide some housing. 
What we hear from developers is it's expensive. You know, the, the finances don't stack up to convert offices to residential buildings. And so if we are going to do it, if we are going to use this as a lever, yes, we would need to have tax or other incentives for developers to really want the appetite to take this on. Just thinking about the block that started on Sunday, perhaps what we need to do is do a commercial office block where you've got a thousand people in each team. That would take a while to complete, of course. Oh, look, it would definitely take more than one series, I imagine. And we see out there a lot of bad examples of office to residential. So in places where there's um, bedrooms with no windows are allowable in, say, North America, there's been examples of, of floor plans where you get, you know, a two bedroom unit with both bedrooms having no windows. That's going to create, you know, and these apartments are going to stay there for 50 years. It's going to create a really bad apartment, you know, no natural light in, in some spaces, deep, dark spaces, spaces that are not able to be naturally ventilated, spaces that could become really quite you know, almost dangerous in, in something like, a, like a, a heat wave mm-hmm. and a, a power outage. So we've got to be careful. You know, we can't create poor apartments. We've got to, we've got to create good apartments. Well, Philip, it is a great talking point. I am sure that plenty of people are discussing this and probably will be uh, for days to come, months to come. And in terms of the politics of it all, I'm sure that different government ministers are going to have to, at some stage, take a look at it because it is a growing problem. Hey, thanks for coming on to the Real Estate Breakfast this morning. Really appreciate it and enjoy your Tuesday. Thanks for having me. Don't navigate the real estate market alone. Let us help guide you in the world of real estate every day. Make better informed decisions with the latest news and insights. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast. 